G'day, welcome to Partakers and to our series, Easter 2012. Today is Wednesday. Father, thank you that in your inspired and written word, the Bible, we have these prayers spoken by your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the living word. Thank you that these prayers of his show us some 2,000 years later the intimate relationship that exists between you and him. May the prayer relationship between you and us be as developed so that our relationship with you is continually strengthened. We ask this through the majestic name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. Jesus said these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son, so the Son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. On Monday night, we learnt about Jesus' mission and his identity. Then on Tuesday, we learnt about Jesus' final teaching, where he taught his disciples about the kingdom and his going back to the Father via the cross. Now Jesus Christ, quite rightly now, turns to prayer, firstly praying for himself, then for his twelve disciples, and then finally for all disciples of all generations to follow, which is the church. This prayer, in John chapter 17, is probably the pinnacle of revelation in John's Gospel. Here, we see Jesus' very words revealing an unparalleled intimacy with his Father. John Calvin said in his commentary on this chapter the following, after having preached to the disciples about bearing the cross, the Lord exhibited to them those consolations by relying on which they would be enabled to persevere. Having promised the coming of the Spirit, he raised them to a better hope and discoursed to them about the splendor and glory of his reign. Now he most properly betakes himself to prayer, for doctrine has no power if efficacy be not imparted to it from above. He, therefore, holds out an example to teachers not to employ themselves only in sowing the word, but by mingling their prayers with it to implore the assistance of God that his blessing may render their labor fruitful. In short, this passage of the Lord Jesus Christ might be said to be the seal of the preceding doctrine, 
both that it might be ratified in itself and that it might obtain full credit with the disciples. This scene, as portrayed by John, shows the importance of prayer and how when doing anything for the glory of God, it must, must, must be covered in prayer. So firstly, Jesus prays for himself. And central to this part of his prayer is glorification. That is the glorification of himself in order that God the Father who sent him will be glorified. Glorify is rarely used outside of church circles today. And if it ever is, it is usually in the context of somebody pretending to be better than they really are. Glorify means, in a biblical context, to have the person's true nature disclosed. So in effect, Jesus is saying in John chapter 17 verse 1, May people see me for who I truly am, your son, and may they also through me see your true nature, Father. Praying as he does, just before he knowingly goes to his death on the cross, shows the importance of the cross. For it is through the cross and that both God the Father and Jesus, his Son, will be glorified. Jesus' death on the cross reveals a God of love, faithfulness and forgiveness. And John chapter 17 verse 4 reveals that it was this purpose that he came in order to complete the work given. Jesus' entire earthly life has been one to show divine love to all people of every age and class. All his works and words were completed without even a hint of hypocrisy. His entire life was driven by the desire to see sinful people turn back to God for reconciliation and forgiveness. At the cross, and only through the cross, this is achieved. Jesus confidently prays that having laid aside his glory by taking on human form, he will return to God's right hand, having achieved the work of redemption through the cross. The theme of eternal life runs throughout John's Gospel. John chapter 3, 15 to 16, and John 10 verse 28, for example. And do you know what eternal life is? Eternal life is knowing God personally and intimately, and that is only achieved by faith through Jesus' death on the cross. It is a free offer, and it is open to all people, of all ages and of all time, and of all classes. It is the responsibility of all people to take up the offer. Once the offer is taken up, the responsibility is then to tell others of this offer. And then Jesus prays for his disciples. John chapter 14, verses 6 to 8. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place, Then you gave them to me, and they have now done what you said. They know now, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is first-hand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it, and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. 
In this part of the prayer, Jesus prays for his disciples. Note how he describes them. They were chosen by God himself, seen God in Jesus, and have received God's words and obeyed them. John 17 verse 6. John 17 verse 6 and 9 and 10 tell us that the disciples were in the safe possession of both the Father and the Son. John 17 verse 7 to 8 shows what the disciples know. Despite misunderstanding frequently what Jesus was talking about, the disciples still grasped that Jesus had come from the Lord God Almighty. Having taught that they will endure persecution and suffering because they are his followers, Jesus prays for their safety. They will be safe not because of their own cunning, their own character, or their own conduct. They will be safe because of God's care and protection, John 17, verse 11 to 12. And as they are God's possession, he will ensure that they are watched over and protected. This security is also born from glorifying God and being witnesses for him, John 17, verse 10. God is always glorified whenever his salvation plan is explained and told. Who are the disciples' enemies and why do they need protecting? The first enemy is the world who does not know God and is therefore in rebellion against God. The disciples were told of this prior to this prayer. Satan is also an enemy of the disciple and would do all he can to stop God being glorified in the life of the disciple. How will God keep them safe? Their safety comes only through his mighty name and nature. By remaining loyal to Jesus Christ, obedient to his teaching, and telling others about him, almighty God's name and nature will therefore protect them. And Jesus also prays that they may be filled with joy, John 17 verse 18, and be dedicated wholly and solely to him. The disciples now have a mission and a purpose to fulfill to tell others of this Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. This mission, though whilst their responsibility is not theirs alone, but is the continuation of Jesus' mission to bring people to reconciliation and relationship with God. Part of that mission is to live a holy life in the power of the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit is the real and true pioneer evangelist. Living a holy life means living a life not for themselves, but for the glory and obedience of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Then finally, Jesus prays for all Christian disciples down through the ages. John 17, verse 24 to 26. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am, so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me having loved me long before there was ever a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them, exactly as I am in them. Now Jesus prays for all those who, through the work of the disciples, will become his followers. 
As such, it brings all Christian disciples into intimacy with Jesus and part of a dynamic relationship with him. That's all Christians from all time. And what does Jesus pray for his church of followers? Jesus prays for unity. That is unity on various levels. Firstly, it is unity on the invisible supernatural level. John 17 verse 21 to 22. The lives of all Christian disciples are inextricably linked to each other, whether we want them to be or not, through the love and obedience of God the Son and God the Father. Christian disciples are united together because Jesus imparts upon them the glory given to him by God the Father. John 17 verse 22. This unity is also physical in so much as through a visible unity people will come to know Jesus personally and take up the offer of reconciliation with God. This unity is also physically seen through the telling of the message of reconciliation. That is why different churches in a location or in a town must be seen to work together, a visible sign of unity reflecting the invisible unity. Remember Jesus' words earlier in John's Gospel? John chapter 15, verse 12 to 14. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Much later in his life, John must surely have been reflecting upon this when he writes in 1 John 3, verse 16 to 24. By this we know love, because he, speaking of Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart of compassion against him, how does the love of God remain in him? My little children, Let's not love in word only, neither with the tongue only, but in deed and truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and persuade our hearts before him, because if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have boldness toward God, and whatever we ask we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, even as he commanded. He who keeps his commandments remains in him, and he in him. By this we know that he remains in us, by the Spirit which he gave us. If the world sees Christians and Christian disciples loving others sacrificially, then unity is seen and it is an effective witness to the reality of the reconciliation with God and a vibrant, living, dynamic relationship with Him. It is also imperative that prayer covers all the work of the church and the Christian. Prayer is the foundation and the backbone just as prayer was the strengthener and foundationer, foundation for Jesus as he faced the cross. Without praying so earnestly that, that he sweated drops of blood, 
Do you think you could have maintained the cross and its supreme significance for humanity? Thank you.